Do you ever just feel like you're stuck in a loop? Do you ever just feel like you're stuck in a loop? Do you ever just feel like you're stuck in a... Hey, wait a minute, what's, what's going on here? Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the corny intro bits to you. This week on the show, we're talking about Loop Hero, the auto-playing, world-rebuilding, chain-link addictive indie darling that's got a whole bunch of people talking about meadow placement and the passage of time. We got a lot of thoughts, so let's get to it. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Jason Dreyer. And hello. Hello. Hello to both of you. It's us. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Triple Freaking Click. Welcome triple back, Kai. Frickin' triple, triple click. Frick. Triple frick. Frickin' click. That works. We're a podcast about video games, and um, we're <laughs> listener-supported also by our wonderful listeners who sign up to become members of Maximum Fun, which is our wonderful network. Everything is just wonderful. We That's really true. appreciate all of our all of our member listeners, people who make it possible for us to make this show. If you would like to be a member of, of Maximum Fun, that would get you some pretty cool things. It would get you access to bonus episodes of Triple Click each month, as well as other Max Fun shows, and just the, you know, the knowledge that you're helping uh, a listener-supported show keep on trucking. Mm-hmm. So if you want to become a Maximum Fun member, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. And uh, the the bonus episode that we're doing for this month is a little bit different. It's a Beans Talk we're spilling the Talking beans, beans. Spilling the beans on some topics. And this topic is our personal canon picks for different media. So each of us are going to pick a book, an album, a TV show, a movie, and a video game that are we think are is a great thing, like worthy of our personal canon and also kind of defines us or says something about our personality, is in some way important to us personally. So that's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you can become a member if you want to listen to that. That'll be out next week. And there's a bunch of other bonus episodes that you will get to listen to as well. MaximumFun.org slash join. One other thing, we are back on the Final Fantasy VI bus. We're, we're playing this game <laughs> or the train. Bus. Back on the airship. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, a ghost yeah. train or, yes, maybe an airship. Oh, yeah, um, it could be a ghost train. That's we're going to be doing another triple click on or another triple play, sorry, on that game uh, before we do a beans cast on it. The triple play is going to take place on April 15th, and we're playing up until the end of the first act, until the floating, the end of the floating continent. So that's what you want to kind of aim Who for. You can say what that means. Only Jason Trier knows. <laughs> right. I'm reading off of a piece of paper here, and I don't know what that means. So uh, so that's uh, for your planning if you're playing along with us, which is a fun thing to do. It is. All right. We're talking about a different video game today, a very exciting little oddball indie that uh, Jason Trier is going gonna, is gonna to tell us more about. Yeah. So this week we are doing a triple play on Loop Hero, which is a game that um, I think a lot of people have heard of now. It has sold pretty mm-hmm. well. It's become one of those big indie hits of of this year so far. You know why that is, right, Jason? It's because it was your one more thing the other week. It is mm-hmm. because it was my one more thing. Um, I actually, I no, it was my one more thing after it was a hit. Um, nope, it's all triple click. It's. I think it's because it's, it's, it's published by Devolver, and Devolver is very good at like coming out with these buzzy, buzzy yeah. indie games. Or it's the it's triple. True. Click bump, one or the other. Who can really know? Yeah, or the triple click bump. Fair enough. Yeah, half a million copies. Maybe like like ninety percent of that is the yeah, triple yeah. click bump. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so Loop Hero is kind of a strange game. It's um, the basic conceit is that you play as this guy who is a hero who has lost his memories, um, and so the world is completely erased because he forgot it all. And you, as the player, have to kind of construct things around him as you go. And so the game is 
is kind of divided into two sections. One section is is a rudimentary building section where you're building up um, this village and you're placing buildings in it and um, kind of recreating the world that was that was erased um, and doing that gets you kind of benefits for the other section, which is the meat of the game, which is the loop section. And this is where your guy <laughs> kind of walks around in a circle on a randomly generated path. Um, it doesn't look like a big circle, but it's like a little bit jaggy as you go. Um, and he fights monsters as he goes, except you don't actually control any of the combat. You just watch him go in a circle. But what you can control is the equipment that he's wearing, um, the kind of monsters that are spawned by placing buildings around the the loop um, and a bunch of other perks that you get by placing these like tiles on the map and so as you watch your guy go you're kind of making these strategic decisions oh should I place this tile here should I place this swamp here should I place these vampires here etc etc and it's really addictive and an interesting game Um, and I guess we should start off with just like everyone giving kind of overall impressions Maddie you want to you want to start us off with your initial thoughts and and also tell us how much you've played so far Sure. I'm embarrassed to say that I have played this game for 10 hours, but have still not beaten the first boss, which is a probably unusual situation to be Mm. in Mm -hmm. because it took me a very long time to figure out that at the top right of the screen, there are attributes that unlock for your hero. There's like a little one that pops up when you unlock an attribute. And I played this without even knowing that there were those special skills that you could unlock. And that is not a good way to play, which brings (laughs) me to my next point, which is that Loop Hero does not really tell you that much about how to play it. You need to read a lot of cards in the game that describe each building that you put down and think in your head about how they interact. The game will not tell you, for example, that if you put down nine rock or mountain tiles in a square together, it will form a mountain peak. You just have to figure that out by happenstance. Or if it does tell you, I don't know where that information is delivered. No, it doesn't. It's very intentional. This opacity is intentional. Yeah. And, and there's, it's also just, a a very minimalist UI like you can just equip your hero with new loot as it drops for monsters but not necessarily with higher numbers because that strategy wise isn't always the best choice like it took me a while to figure out like oh I really need to be paying attention to like my evasion percentage for example and thinking about how that helps me in the long term more than just brute strength helps me against certain monsters and so all of those pieces are Uh, very opaque and we can get into that in a second I the other thing about this game though that I've noticed is that it's very addictive and I'm not sure that I'm actually enjoying it like I've played a lot of it but I'm like what was I actually doing with that time and (laughs) this game I don't know I am curious to hear what you two think about it like I feel like I've lost a lot of time to this game but I'm not sure what I gained from yeah yeah i have a lot of thoughts and response to that but kirk i want to hear your impressions first yeah so i'm i haven't played as much as you maddie but i am actually farther i'm in the second world you are yeah i played a couple (laughs) of hours i think i just i beat the first boss the first time i came up against him i think i just had a really good build Mm -hmm. and it kind of gotten lucky because i still don't feel like i have a total mastery of a lot of the systems in this game just because there's like you said there's a lot there and the more i play the more i realize that it is a very it's a very uh facts and figures kind of a game like it's a Mm -hmm. very spreadsheety sort of a game because 
it's so interesting. It's it's like a donut around a the. It's like a donut hole kind of a game. Or there's a metaphor there that I'm not quite getting. But it, it's everything <laughs> but the gameplay in a certain uh-huh. way, right? It uh-huh. it is everything in a game like say Hades, where you're repeating things and there's randomly generated elements, a sort of roguelite kind of a deal with a story that unfolds and and you're deciding on you, your build. Yeah, and you and you get a different build each time, so you're kind of you know improvising a little bit, but you're also unlocking things as you go. And there's this multiple progression tracks that kind of keep you hooked. It has all that stuff, but there's no middle thing like in Hades, which I use as the example, both because it's a fantastic game, because we both played a lot of it and it's fairly recent. That game, there's at the middle, there's just jumping around fighting guys, and that is the kind of basic part of the game that's really fun to do, and that's what I think of as the center. And then there's all this stuff around it. That's all the stuff I just described where loop hero builds a whole game out of just the stuff around it. And that's a really interesting kind of game to play. Like I'm finding it so different to engage with that. It's making me just ask all these questions about video games in general. And you know, the sort of progression loops they pull us into and how those work and the effects they have on me. So I'm not like enjoying it in the way that I enjoy most games in terms of, you know, that 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 rhythm, that feel, that gameplay thing that you get out of so many games. But I am enjoying it as almost more of an intellectual exercise because it's a very cerebral and intellectual game. So I am mm-hmm. liking it and I do have a lot of thoughts on it. But those are my kind of broad initial thoughts. Mm. OK, so <laughs> that's interesting. So my kind of overall impressions are I really liked it as I talked about um, a couple yeah. of weeks ago and it was only one more thing. And then I kind of grew to maybe I just get done with it. Uh, it doesn't kind of, I, I got tired of it. It got too repetitive for me. And how, um, how far are you? I'm pretty far. I mean, I'm still on the second map, but I've gotten okay. all three classes and I've gotten, I mm-hmm. made some progress, mm-hmm. substantial progress in the building part of it. Um, part of it, by the way, I should mention, we didn't talk about, we haven't talked about is that like um, you have to, you collect all these resources that you then bring back to your building while you're in the mm-hmm. loop part you bring back resources the yeah unless part. you die <laughs> but yeah if you die you lose like x percent i think it's only you collect 30 percent, and um you have the option every time you finish a loop and get back to your campfire where you started right to you retreat it's you lose 70 percent if you die and you lose 30 percent if you retreat right yeah right, right. i think this is part of why i'm bad at the game because i know from people telling me that i'm not supposed to put every card down but i'll get really greedy and be like oh but if I put these cards in this place, then I'll farm right. all of these amazing riches. And then, of course, my character will be like barely making it through every loop, which is why I've never yeah. beaten the first boss, because I'm constantly like throwing all of these absurd challenges or like poking my hero with these ridiculous combinations of things and being like, what will happen if I do this or this? I mean, that's part of what the fun of the game is, is trying different combinations of either weaponry yeah. or buildings or uh, enemy types and seeing how they interact with one another. So, so okay, so um, just going back to, to finish the thought I was having earlier is that it got it got really repetitive for me and I kind of got sick of it and just stopped playing. It doesn't really nullify like me enjoying it over the first few hours, but I just it doesn't feel like a game that is um, designed for longevity in a lot of ways, which brings me to the point that I wanted to make, which is that it actually feels kind of unfinished um, in a lot of ways. I do think that the opacity is intentional. Like, I think it's supposed to be a mysterious game where you kind of organically are meant to discover things like what you mentioned, Maddie, about putting down nine mountains and creating or putting down nine rocks and put, creating that big mm-hmm. harpies. That's nest. an exciting moment when that happened. It is. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, cool. Cool. Something just happened. Or like suddenly 
and and I mean, not to spoil things, but uh, uh, this is pretty early on. You can discover that if you place the vampire mansion next to a village, the village mm-hmm. will <laughs> get marauded and like turn into a haunted village. Sure, it's just like, or you can take advantage of the blood grove tiles and mm-hmm. the vampires yeah. as well. Like you can sort of play different enemy types off of one another. Again, if you read each of the cards and you're like, huh, well, if this does this, then I can use it against these guys. And I right. mean, that's that's the strategy of the game. Well, so the reason I think it's unfinished is because, A, I think it just has the problem of being too repetitive and you're not, the game doesn't give you new stuff quickly enough. So you can wind up really stuck, especially if you're not strategic about like when you're retreating, you can wind up with the same tiles. You're not unlocking a lot of new tiles, not unlocking a lot of interesting new decisions. You're just kind of making the same decisions over and over again. And that it, that gets a little rote after a while. But the other thing is that the game doesn't give you, because it's so opaque, the game doesn't give you any indicators as to why you failed so when you die um it might be because maddie as you pointed out you placed too many tiles on the map and made it too difficult for you or it might be because you just picked a bad build for your character and we're focusing too much on balance instead of just focusing on counter or just focusing on defense or and then this is what gives me the little kind of niggling feeling that, that made me want to quit or the game is just kind of unbalanced and it doesn't really feel super fair or like like you can win in equal ways. Um, and I'll give you an example of this, which is in the first map, I, w- w- I was stuck on the first boss for a while until I realized that really the only way you can beat him is to cheat in advance and know that he's coming and build tiles all around the campfire so they destroy all his little lich-like like stat enhancement buildings and then yeah. you can crush him immediately. Interesting. Um, Let me just ask about the first boss because I just beat the first boss on my first try and I've only fought him once. Mm-hmm. And I was just a warrior That's build. That's amazing. You might have accidentally <laughs> done what I just described. Um, yeah, he was. He, I mean, he's he comes in right near the village. There wasn't anything. No, he repl- so he replaces the campfire. The boss replaces yeah. the campfire. Yep. So if you happen to have built, and then he's surrounded, his style is surrounded by nine different stat enhancement buildings, and they all make uh-huh. him super powerful. If you happen to build other buildings around the campfire, they won't appear, and so like he'll get super weak. Like you have to know that essentially. Or you could have accidentally done it, as Kirk may or may not have done. I wonder if I did. <laughs> I, I can't totally remember. I I know I always put a um. Is it a blood field? Is that what it's called? That gives you a, uh, a treasure right next chest? to the campfire. Yeah, so that itself would have like. So taken I had it. that. I had that fairly near, but I'm not. I didn't have anything else near there. It was a tough fight. Like I went through all three of my po- or my health potions fighting mm-hmm. him. I already had those, and I was like, oh, I'm never gonna beat this guy. Like at the beginning of the fight, I was like, oh, he's gonna crush me. But then uh-huh. I just sort of brought his health down, and then I beat him. And it it was. It wasn't. Super... Did you have like a specific build, like a defense no. build or something like that? No, I really wasn't thinking of it too much. Kirk is just really good at games. Yeah, that's how we've <laughs> no, decided. I think I just got lucky. I, I think because I've been getting kind of the second world has really been making it clear to me that I need to spend a little bit more time, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, thinking about my build and getting a little more. Like I've been trying to play as a rogue because I unlocked that class and like just getting totally housed by the yeah, game. Yeah, I don't get the rogue at all. Like, Jason, mm-hmm. if you have any rogue tips, let me know. Because I have just went back to the warrior because I was like, I don't understand this. I don't get how to be good at this. <laughs> I don't. I like the warrior and the necromancer. I haven't really done much okay. with yeah. the rogue. So yeah. I think, like, I want to go back to the first world some and then see if that was a fluke because I've only beaten the boss the one time. And like you said, like, when you started talking about that, I was like, I have, don't know about any of this, which makes mm-hmm. me think the next time I fight that boss, I'm probably going to get wrecked because I had some coincidental thing going on, which is kind of Possibly. fun. 
Like that yeah. pro- the process of like, oh, I want to figure this out is mm-hmm. cool. I want to. Ch- I, I need to change the text right now. I have the text with the like old eight bit looking. I changed that right away. Yeah, you can yeah. change it. Yeah, pretty and you can, which is nice. On the very first screen, I was like, I am not gonna make it. I even changed it to right. like the dyslexic friendly text, and I am not dyslexic. <laughs> but I was like, this is the most readable of right. these three options, and I want to be able to read this freaking game. Like, there's uh-huh. actually quite mm-hmm. a bit of reading. Involved. Exactly, there is. Yeah, and it's actually it's good. It's like an interesting story, and like has really really yeah. good writing. Um, Let's talk about the story i think it's okay there was a weird grammatical error really early on that kind of threw me (laughs) yeah it's like when the when the lich shows up he says something like this are good or something i can't remember what it was Mm -hmm. now it was like the first thing he said to me and i was like wait what like and i thought maybe that my character was going to comment on that and be like why are you talking all weird man did i like forget how people talk but then he didn't I think the story is interesting. It's a Russian developer, by the way, named. Yeah, it, it, it just seemed like a translation, like a mm-hmm. tense or syntax translation issue. Yep. I think it's interesting, though, to bring up Hades again. I think mm-hmm. I'm a little spoiled because of Hades, because yeah. now I'm like, well, if I'm gonna play this kind of a game that has this sort of a loop to it, so to speak, like this kind of a feeling where the story is doled out to me, even though I'm just slowly making progress through it, I really want the story to be as good as the story in Hades. Like I really want to be so pulled in by this kind <laughs> of writing. Like it could be this good. And while it's cool, it's a great concept. I love, it's really abstract and weird. And I like that. It's this like cosmic unknowingness, this weird ambiguity of a world that it doesn't exist because everyone forgot it, but it also just doesn't exist. But then it comes back into <laughs> existence when you remember it. Like that's very cool. And I like that it's exploring all that. There's a little bit of like missing charisma for me or something. Like mm-hmm. it just isn't quite, it doesn't have to be a comedy game. It doesn't have to be funny, but there isn't quite that kind of bounce to the to the world. Like it, it just, for this kind of a world, I could use a little more so humor. So you just, maybe. I mean, you should just play Hades, really. <laughs> no, and I, that's not what I'm saying. Like, I, and, you know, like I, I know it could sound like that and I want to be clear that I'm not saying like, oh, I just wish this was Hades. It's more, I wish it had a little bit more personality. Right. A little more yeah. charisma. Yeah, I get it. I wonder if that's because you haven't played so much, Kirk, because I feel like I've probably seen more of the story than you yeah, for maybe. better or worse. I, I actually think there are some story beats that are pretty strong, like the idea of remembering a world and reconstructing it and the way that characters describe their own motivations as you meet different enemy types, I find really haunting in a kind of meta game mm. way. Like it's pretty tired for, I guess, as a trope for video game enemies to question you as a hero, but like, you know, I'll, I'll drink down that smoothie every time and still <laughs> get some, some protein out of it. Like, I still think it's an interesting trope. And so, you yeah. know, meeting the harpy, for example, who I'm sure you've met and having her immediately question me and be like, I need to kill you in order to survive. There's a Mm. lot more of that throughout, which I really like, and I haven't beaten the game. I'm actually not sure if there even is an ending or not, so I don't know how it all wraps up or if it does. But There is. There are four sections and then the final boss. So so I could envision a, a version of this that's like Braid or something where rebuilding the world is actually a bad thing and like I'm the aggressor. I, I can so I can see mm. some of the foreshadowing in, in some of the enemy types uh, and the way they talk to me. But that could also just be me projecting onto the few crumbs of story that are there because mm. mainly my takeaway is that there just isn't quite enough 
story. Like I enjoy mm-hmm. the dialogue that I do see, but compared to something like Hades where you feel very rewarded for continuing to play, this game just doesn't actually give you that much story by comparison and that's a little disappointing to me and it's also part of why I think I've spent more time on the game weirdly because it ended up being that I would just play a podcast while playing and just or mindlessly like dangle a toy for my cat while playing. Because you can play this game one-handed. Like With this the game mouse, is just left only and right. mouse. Yeah. Like you are clicking how much, a button. How much time during, your, during the day do you spend dangling toys for your cat? Quite a bit of time. He's very <laughs> needy. But it's, it is nice to have a video game where like he doesn't interrupt me with a gentle yeah, paw yeah. and be like, uh-huh. I need you to put the controller down and play with me now. This game, mm-hmm. I can play with my cat and click the mouse, the only action that you perform in Loop Hero. So I, I do really like how low impact it is. I think that yeah. that's like a really appealing thing about it. Like talk about friction, the friction on this. Yeah. yeah and just just be reading the, you know, reading my phone or whatever. Like it, you do have to kind of focus. But if you slow it down, you can really just take it at your own speed. And it does make me think I would probably play the shit out of this on a phone like this mm-hmm. would be yeah. a great game for a commute especially because a loop takes about exactly that long to get I'm kind of surprised that this is only on PC only because this is the kind of game that I would have expected to see like there are games like this on Apple Arcade it's the kind of thing I would have expected to see as a big Apple Arcade like hey man if you have Apple Arcade you can play yeah, this small I mean small development team uh, mm-hmm. usual reasons why it doesn't have any ports yet I'm sure it will be especially after all the success um, yeah. but yeah I mean I think to your point I think it, it all kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier about the game feeling like unfinished and by unfinished I don't mean it in that way that like gamers sometimes use in a derogatory term Mm-hmm. Like, you oh, mean the, this game. You mean the like developers are lazy, is what you're saying? Right, right, right. Yeah, the developers yeah. are lazy. No, I mean, I think that like it needed a little more time spent just nailing down um, the way that it kind of feeds you rewards and feeds you story and feeds you new progression and stuff like that. Um, and also, loop, like, a little more time. Yeah, yeah, the loop, the gameplay loop, as it were. Um, yeah. And also, a little more time, like, um, uh, figuring out how much to keep opaque and how much to spell out for you. So Kirk, mm-hmm. to your point about like being able to look away, I've done that where I've like, um, during work, I'm on my laptop working, load up loop hero, like run a loop, look away because I'm working and then just look back at the screen. Um, and what's interesting is that like you might lose a bunch of a health or die even, and you won't know why. And sometimes, even when you're paying attention, you might not know why. Um, because the game doesn't really give you that much information. And if there was like a log or something that you could check where it was mm-hmm. like, oh, you got damage for X, you got damage for X. And then you could know like, oh, okay, maybe I need to be giving myself more defense stats, or maybe I need to be putting fewer enemy layers because I'm just getting overwhelmed by this point. It's just like the game kind of, it's funny because it's such a simple game and such a like frictionless game as you said but it's also a game that just throws a lot of things at you like cover the 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 map can be covered with enemies sometimes and sometimes you won't really know why you died why you lost and that's really frustrating yeah i don't actually think of it as a simple game and i and i should say like i don't i don't mean run the loop and go do something else i just mean like you can kind of play it at your own speed you can pause it Mm. so easily that you can kind of just be like on chat with somebody and like pausing the game and then checking in and because it's so low impact Mm -hmm. like just in terms of the interface that you're using like it's easy to do that but I don't actually do the thing you're talking about like run it in the background like because that you do have to be I mean you have to be equipping your guy if you're playing as a fighter anyways and like kind of paying attention Uh, no all three all three classes you have to be equipping yeah well but like the thief you know like the rogue you don't even get gear until each time around so like you know it like slightly changes the rhythm yeah Um, you're right 
but yeah, like the it's it is a it's an interesting thing because it's not a simple game, but it is a very frictionless game. Right. So it's like, or at least it's frictionless in terms of the sort of interactions that you have to do with it. But it's not frictionless in your brain. Like you have to actually be processing a lot of information. And mm-hmm. I think that I agree. I get what you're saying and agree that there is a sort of an informational overload where you're not it's not super easy to like grapple with everything you have equipped and like with what exactly your build is or what you should be Mm -hmm. going for and how well it's working and Mm -hmm. i definitely found at first i was like i'm gonna speed this sucker up and i was going at the faster speed and then i slowed it down when i started getting more serious about it and slowing it down is really useful like i found Mm. that actually taking it slower and then to what you were saying a while back maddie also like running some loops with like one thing in the world just like Going kind this of slow is how you beat that first boss. These yes. are two things I never did. I've never slowed mm. it down. I never <laughs> run the loop pointlessly. I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't have time for that. I want every loop to be <laughs> full of enemies, and I want right. them all to come at me, and think, then I'll lose everything, and that's fine. Am I wrong that if you the boss comes out once you've played a certain number of cards? Yes. So yes. Like, yeah. you want to be not playing too many cards too quickly, or the boss right. will disappear. Interesting, in Kirk. Interesting idea. What if instead, though, <laughs> you don't do that, and then I lose? Lose I mean, it's a, that's a valid strategy as well. We can each try it and see how yes. those two strategies work. Maddie, you are valid and you are understood. Losing is valid, okay? Uh-huh, I am uh-huh. in defense of losing. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I will try those tips after this. But I also do think there's something to be said uh, for Jason's point uh, way back when he talked about this on his One More Thing about how mm-hmm. this isn't a game type that I've played before either. Yeah. I, I, no, I've seen people compare to, to auto chess, but I don't think it's actually that much like it. It's it's more like an idle clicker game or, or something like that, or like certain phone games where you sort of check in on it occasionally. I mean, I know you do have to pay attention to it all the time if you want to be playing Loop Hero strategically, but it is it's more similar to a phone game than not. So I I don't know. I, I just think that's cool. So even though this game, I certainly have my complaints about it, I like the idea of it enough that I'm excited about the idea of it influencing other things mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that um, just the novelty of it alone is like a real thing to recommend it. Like there's there's a reason that people are playing this game and talking about it. And I think it's just, well, it's partly that there aren't that many games coming out right now, but it's also, <laughs> it's also just that it's, it's very different. I mean, I've been playing so many games that all are kind of on similar frequencies. Like there's like a looter kind of a game or like a soulsy kind of combat kind of a game <laughs> or a shooter. Like you just get in these modes of, of gameplay and to play a game that has that thing where it's like everything around the action it's all just like this weird mental spreadsheet that you're it's just like a very very different thing and a really cool idea that i'm surprised i haven't seen done in this way at least yeah that i can remember like even though i've seen elements of this game in other games it's it's really kind of its own thing yeah, it's kind of one way, one framing for it is like it's a reverse tower defense. Which yeah, I've I like heard that a lot. Elsewhere, and I think that's an, a and, or kind of like it. you're a dungeon master. It feels a little bit like you're being a dungeon yeah. master. Yeah. Although I wish, I wish there was a game about being a dungeon master where you were making a lot more interesting decisions. Sure, than just, like I mean, where to play yeah. styles and like, because like I've always like I've always been into the idea of like those simulation games where you're like um, making a lot of big decisions, and this is very much like a, it's like a simulation like game, a strategy like game it's like a light version of like a dungeon mm-hmm. keeper or, or, or even a 4x like a sieve um yeah one point i wanted to bring up is a lot of people have described this game as addictive myself included and yeah, that's I 
such a loaded word. It's such a yeah, you did too. It's such a yeah. loaded word in games and in describing games and like the concept of using a lot of critics and a lot of people like us who talk about games use addictive in a positive way, but obviously addictive can also be a very negative thing. And I'm curious, did you guys feel while playing this game that it had any particularly addictive qualities that you saw as either positive or negative did anything about like the the dopamine rush that you get from it strike you in any particular way because I, I I was thinking about this the other day and and I think I, I was in a state of addicted to it and then not addicted to it anymore pretty quickly um, but I was thinking about the ways in which it had hooked me and if I thought they were healthy or interesting and I'm curious to hear your takes Kirk did you have any thoughts on that yeah, um, I do think there are some things about this kind of a game that are distinctly hooky or addicting or, you know, whatever whatever word you want to use. Like, this is similar to Hades, which I found to be an extremely addictive game. Like, I was super hooked on that game. And I think that there is an element of loopiness to this kind of a game that is crucial to something in our brains, or at least to my brain and a lot of people I know's brains, that just makes you stick with it. And it's by breaking your time up into these loops. Um, it, it, to use Hades as the example, you play one run and then you die. That's kind of the loop of Hades. In Loop Hero, same deal. You do one expedition and you either retreat or you die. And like, because the game is broken into these little bits, it's just there's something in my brain that tells me when I finish one that I want to do another and that once I've started another, I might as well see it through. And mm. those become like links in a chain. Like it really is just you can think of it like one link to another link and each time you're like, well, I'll just put another link in. But then you finish building that link and it's time to put another link in. And then you're like, well, it only took me, you know, 10 minutes to build the last one and you keep going. And before you know it, you have a 500 foot chain. And like that's how it feels to me to play these games. And other games don't always feel that way. Like a game like whatever, Dark Souls or Hollow Knight, which I've both been playing recently, like those just don't have that feeling because like sometimes you beat a level and you're like, well, I guess I want to see the next one. But it's much more about like big milestones that you reach. And then, you know, you can go maybe do some side stuff, but it doesn't have that like repetitive, self-contained, right. repeating, segmented quality. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would argue even further, I would take that even further and say like on an even smaller level, it has the same sort of effect. Like each one of your big chains you described, each one of the big links you described has a bunch of smaller ones in them because in Hades, every new room is you're thinking to yourself, oh, what's what's the next room going to bring? What kind of rewards am I going to get next? And you're thinking on a micro level, each room has its own sort of compulsive quality to it. And same mm -hmm. with Loop Hero where it's like each each loop of the booger expedition is has the same sort of effect. And sometimes it can work to your disadvantage in Loop Hero because you'll be thinking, oh, I want to see what's going to happen next on this <laughs> loop when you really should be going home <laughs> and leaving right. with your research. What, what's going to ha happen on the next loop is you're going to die and you're going to lose 70% of your shit. <laughs> right, you're going to die and lose most of your resources. Um, Maddie, did you have any thoughts on this? You described the game as addictive. I, yeah, I did. I think, <laughs> I think it is addictive, but I also think that I am not going to play it anymore because I feel like the experience that I had with this game was that I started playing it for this show. I played it for a couple hours. I probably could have stopped there and said more or less the same things, but the, 
opacity of the game is almost what was addictive about it to mm. me, at least for the past week of my life, because I kept being like, well, I don't really understand why that loop failed. If I just do one more and I do things slightly differently this time, then I'm sure I'll figure it out. And then over the course of that next loop, um, I would think, or I would, I would perhaps discover something new, but I wouldn't necessarily do wildly better. I might just do a little better or make some very incremental discovery or incremental change, but I'd feel almost like I had achieved something in that loop, which would then lead me to do another loop. And that's what led me to have multiple days this past week where I played it for three hours in a row. But then at the end of those three hours, I was like, did I actually learn anything at all? Like I maybe <laughs> learned four things about how to improve at this game, but it took me like several 30 minute loops to achieve hmm. almost nothing, which I think speaks to what you were saying, Jason, about how this game doesn't actually dole out rewards satisfactorily as compared to something yeah. like Hades, where I could see my progress in a much more marked way, like finding new locations, reaching new rooms. This game, it's so opaque that I'm like, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. Like mm -hmm. I, I, and I wish I were getting a little more help from the game about what I should be doing because instead it's like purely exploratory and that's joyful and even addictive up to a point. But I don't know. I kind of want to beat the first boss, but I'm also like, I could be playing Dark Souls right now. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Well, also beating the first boss would will only get you to another level that is exactly like the first one, exactly. as opposed to a game like Hades, <laughs> where it's like, oh my god, right. what kind of cool new level right, am I going to yeah. discover next? There isn't enough of a reward, whether that's in the form of actual like rewards to make your character stronger, and also in the form of new things to explore and discover. Mm -hmm. uh, Kirk, what, what were you going to say? Um, I think that there is a distinction with like types of addictive games that is worth drawing that. Um, you mentioned, right, that, Jason, that addictiveness is not necessarily a good thing and that people use it as a as a positive descriptor for video games, but also video game addiction is something that pe some people, you know, think of as, as a bad thing. And certainly we've all felt addicted to games in ways that were that were kind of Yeah, it definitely is. I don't, I don't think that needs to be prefaced. Yeah. And I think there's an important distinction. When I think about games that I have been addicted to, which is really just Destiny, that's the only game where I, like, played with addiction a little bit like in that kind of unhealthy way um like there there's documentation of this on Kotaku where there would just be times where I'm like okay I really leaned into the addiction partly because I was curious what it would be like now I'm just gonna stop playing this game because I'm playing it too much I'm like not seeing my friends and sort of spending the whole weekend playing destiny and like anytime but you were like, seeing your virtual friends sure <laughs> yeah um, you're seeing, seeing some my, aliens my fellow some guardians um, yeah. so aliens. that kind of addiction is one thing and the kind of addiction we're talking about with a game like Hades or Loop Hero, which I, I put in the same category, is very different to me. Um, when I feel like pulled in by just the rhythms of a game, like either of these two, as expertly designed as they both are, especially Hades, to just have that really slick thing where you're just making links in that chain and you love it. Like, I generally find that to be a a pleasurable experience. I'm aware that I'm being pulled in and maybe I'll lose a couple nights to it in a way that I describe as losing nights to it, you know, which sounds a little like a bad thing. But it's a I find that very pleasant and I like the feeling of being pulled along where it's actually a very different experience for me than a game like Destiny at the peak of like Taking King or wherever, where it was much more of this like all-consuming process. It was a really different kind of game. There were a lot of segmented things that I was doing, and there was a kind of a, well, one more mission, one more whatever <laughs> strike, one more crucible match. But it was more like so much of the game was built into those, you know, MMO-style 
loops, like where you're like chasing a piece of gear and you're in these long grinds toward like completing these super long multi-week quests. And you're also playing with friends. So there's like this social pressure that kind of pulls you all in together and you're kind of like enabling one another. Like all of that stuff is so separate from a game like Loop Hero, where it's just like really well designed to make you just keep playing loops over and over again. And I think that that distinction is interesting and also sort of worth exploring and articulating a little bit just when we're talking mm-hmm. about the subject. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you about the distinction, but I think I see it as more of a spectrum. And I think at times when I was playing Loop Hero, it was closer to this, the end of the spectrum that I don't personally enjoy that much anymore, where I was playing it and I was like looking back on it and being like, I don't know that I enjoyed my time with it. There were certainly times when I did enjoy playing it, but there were some nights where I was like, I was just playing another loop for no reason other than mm-hmm. because I played another loop and clicked mm-hmm. the button. And I know myself well enough to know that I have that tendency when I'm playing games and I just have to be aware of it when anything that I play where if it's a if it's like Assassin's Creed and I just want to get all the dots, I'll sometimes be like <laughs> pursuing dots that I'm not interested in and I'll be like, I don't even want this dot. I don't know why I'm going towards yep. the stop, oh, but I'm I've already going you here catch them and all. I need to get all the dots. And then I'll like yeah. kind of take myself out of it and be like, Maddie, you're not actually having fun right now. You can stop getting this dot. Like you can go do something else in this game that you actually enjoy more. And that is, at least for me, the experience is more of a spectrum. It's not just like, oh, there's good addiction and bad addiction. It's like there's a series of compulsive behaviors that I engage in and some of them are rewarding. That games encourage. Yeah, yeah. And some of them feel rewarding to me because I'm getting like cool story or cool design choices that are artistic and fruitful and meaningful to me but then there are also compulsive behaviors I engage in in games that are just compulsive behaviors and then there are other behaviors in between those two states at least for me no no that makes a lot of sense to me Mm -hmm. too um cool okay well so that is loop hero uh i guess we've all been we've all grown kind of lukewarm on the game but it's interesting it's if people are curious it's it's so unique it's like yeah it's definitely not as as simple as that i think that it's a really interesting game and i'm I'm glad i played it i think yeah i agree and i think it also feels to me like the type of game that's going to improve a lot over time and i think i might revisit it one day like sure if they approve a lot of the kind of flaws that i found with it and yeah, and put it on phones. Things. Yeah. yeah, and put it on phones. I'm sure it'll be on Switch. Um, cool. Why don't we take a little break and then we'll be back for one more thing? Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard and we have no advice, but we do see you doing it. Talk if you like to do it. What was <laughs> Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, yeah. honk if you did it? That's what it I was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we not ever make those? those we are did make life. them. Did I think they're make? still in the Max Fun store. <laughs> honk, honk. You're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Honk, honk. Toot, toot. Maximum Fun is a network by and for cool, popular people. But did you know it also has an offering designed to appeal to nerds? A show for nerds? On Maximum Fun? The devil, you say? It's true. It's called The Greatest Generation, and they review episodes of a television program for nerds called Star Trek. They've reviewed TNG, DS9, and are now reviewing Voyager. Hey, Star Trek. My daughter enjoys that program. 
Well, if she enjoys that, and she enjoys humor of the flatulent variety, might I recommend she subscribe to The Greatest Generation? Hey, are you calling my kid a nerd? Boy, I oughta... Well, gotta go! Become a friend of DeSoto by subscribing to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org today! And we are back. Kirk, Maddie, it is time for one more thing. Uno mo thing. I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. Uno, uno. Do you guys, how would you uno say mas? one more thing in Spanish? Uno, I mean, uno mas. mas is probably I mean, what I would say, but I don't speak Spanish either. Shows in French. I don't know Spanish. I wasn't aware that there was going to be a foreign language portion of today's episode where I would have studied. Un autre chose. Uh, that's, that's the Hebrew version. All right, um, all right. <laughs> Let me go first, because I'm very excited about what I have to talk about today. So, Kirk, Maddie, as you both know, I enjoy cooking. I am the person, member of our household who cooks. I do dinner every night. Um, no, not your baby. I, this is shocking. That's like. true. That's true. My child does not, my 18-month-old does not do a lot of cooking. my first prediction cooked in your family. Although I'm extremely excited for when she's old enough to like be able to help stuff and like I can bake cookies with her and stuff yeah, like that. have a sous chef, finally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm so, we're going to, my wife and I have already been talking. We're going to get her this little like step stool that's designed yeah, yeah, for yeah. a toddler nice, to like be in the nice. kitchen cooking. Yep. We'll make Rice Krispie treats. I'm very excited. But anyway, I really enjoy cooking. Um, I've read a lot of cookbooks over the years, just about a variety of things. Some are good. Some are not so good. But this past weekend, I discovered a cookbook that is the best one I've ever read. And it's one that I want to just scream on the rooftops that everyone who like cooks even a tiny bit should get. It is called The Food Lab by J. Kenji Lopez. Now, J. Kenji Lopez is this guy who is best known for a website called SeriousEats.com, which I've been Mm -hmm. using for years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I probably should have known about this cookbook years ago. But yeah, this this cookbook came out in 2018, I believe. And it is basically J. Kenji Lopez um, just using science and endless experiments like the curiosity and willingness to endlessly experiment with things to figure out the best possible ways to do anything you can think of in terms of like basic home cooking. So he will get into like the best way to hard boil an egg, the best way to Ooh. sear a steak, the best way to make chicken stock. And he, the way he does this is by like, um, first of all, he explains the science in really basic terms, like heat and temperature and proteins and the Mailer effect and, and basic stuff, not like super science-y, like dull esoteric stuff, but in a really, really digestible way, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, but also what he does is he'll experiment it was something 40 times to make sure and then like do blind taste testing with with subjects to like make sure that he knows what he that that it's actually the best um with eggs he'll just be like doing dozens and dozens of eggs boiled in different ways to see like the exact amount of time you should boil an egg for the exact amount of temperature you should do it at and Mm. this book is phenomenal i cannot recommend it highly enough it's like Really, you can skip around because it's in, divided into sections. There's like the pasta section, the meat section, the veggie section, the, the stock section. So anything, even if you're a vegetarian, even if you only want to make some sort of food, it will still be helpful to you in some way because it's so good at just breaking down the fundamentals of so much of this stuff. And yeah, I mean, I already I read through it. I, I've been reading through it over the past couple of weeks and I feel like I've learned so much Um and nice. So do you just read cookbooks? Like, is it 
it's is it recipes or is it like a, a sort of technique book? No. So this one is like so the way it's structured, it's not recipes. So I find that a lot of recipe books are like not super helpful because you'll be reading through them and there might be like four or five things you actually want to make or can actually make because you're reading this cookbook and it'll be like and mm-hmm. then and then get the frog tails and you stick them in your veal sous reduction that you made four days ago or or some ridiculous concoction. But this book is very much there are recipes in there, but they're very much basic stuff that you can make. Most of it you can make every night. And then there will be some stuff where, or any any night, I mean. And there will be some stuff where it'll be like, you have to prepare this in advance. But but it's it's pretty basic stuff. None of it is like fancy cooking. But it all feels like fancy cooking because it's so top-notch. And the, mm-hmm. the way he describes and puts everything together is so top-notch. So the way it's structured is... Um, like I said before, it's in these segments. So there'll be like the soups and stocks segment and the, the poultry segment and the, the roasting segment, how to roast the best beef, how to make the best hamburgers, the veggie segment, everything you need to know about all the different types of veggies and which ones are best roasted nice. versus braised versus yeah, yeah. sauteed versus boiled. Um, and he'll just go through each of these segments. We'll just like do this in-depth breakdown on everything you need to know about technique and how to make nice. certain things. And then it'll give you recipes. So it'll be like, now that I've broken down down the best way to make a hamburger here is my recipe for the best hamburger and then it'll give you like a basic got recipe it, to follow um, it's, nice. cool. it's like a kind of salt have you read salt fat acid heat i feel like that was the most recent one of those great books i mean nasrat's book yes also excellent but this is better this is the best one i've ever read i oh, gotta right. say wow i really like salt fat acid heat so that's, yes no it's great that's, that's awesome. a great book and really good for like fundamentals of cooking and knowing yeah. how things and a really good salted caramel recipe in that book that i've used mm, before nice i haven't made it but based on this this kenji uh lopez book and it's called the food lab once again it inspired me last night to spend batch cock a chicken myself so i took mm. a whole chicken and like took a butcher's knife and just cut out the backbone and spatchcocked it and it was delicious and man get this book i highly recommend okay, it. Right, Any, right, anyone who sold. cooks wow. get this book um right. promise this isn't an ad i promise that i discovered this <laughs> <laughs> um it came out like three years ago so it'd be a pretty bad ad anyway um maddie what's your one more thing Mine is also a book, completely different kind Books. of book. Yeah. Um, it is a book called How to Do Nothing Resisting the Attention Economy, and it's by Jenny O'Dell. And oh. I would say my expectation about this book, based on its title and knowing very little about it, was that it would be a pop psychology book that would be really easy to read and would tell me to quit <laughs> Twitter and that it would be like super digestible and I would read it and for a week I would think about quitting Twitter and then I would forget about it forever. <laughs> you planned all this out before you bought it. I, I mean, that's also kind kind of how this book is described colloquially and the ways that people write about it. Like a lot of times Jenny O'Dell will be like described by, you know, what, whatever media personality is describing her as like, oh, you know, she's she's the person who wrote a book about how you should quit Twitter, which like I, I don't blame reporters for, for <laughs> yeah, trying but... <laughs> to find a reductive way to describe an author because, you know, we, we've all been there. But mm-hmm. that's really not at all what this book is. This is a very dense hard to read book. It's very academic. There's a lot of complicated ideas in the book. It doesn't take a stance on whether or not you should quit Twitter. It's very anti-capitalist and a class-based analysis. It analyzes how class plays a huge role in whether people are even able to disengage with technology, which is obvious, of course. But if you're thinking about who can go to these camps where you get rid of your phones, etc., or like who can quit their job for a year and just really disconnect and think about what they want to do with their (laughs) lives, which like, it sounds like an amazing fantasy. Some people can afford to do it. Many people never have that opportunity. And yet for, you know, human health, it's nice to take a break from working and, and take some time to yourself. And so 
Jenny O'Dell just really navigates the difficulties of that. And she does some research about like philosophy over the ages, different times when various groups have tried to disconnect from society and why, and the fact that it's nearly always not worked and why, like she talks about like cults in the seventies and so forth. And like people living off the grid, which was fascinating to me because I just, I didn't know Mm -hmm. about a lot of that stuff. And I am always fascinated with the idea of living off the grid. Like I love (laughs) meditation and like, I, like many other people, fantasize about like, oh, if I could just, you know, live in a cabin for a while, I'd feel so much healthier. And like, <laughs> wasn't there a guy at The Verge who quit the Internet for a year? This reminds me. Of yeah, that. I mean, this is classic. I feel like that's something a lot of reporters do is like a, a gimmick for a while. And like it, it can work for a time. But this book is almost like the answer to those types of stunts and why people do them. And the conclusion of it is not her recommending that people do that at all, but instead just encouraging people to be more aware of the role that the Twitter economy, the attention economy plays in all of our lives lives and what it's doing to us. And I, f- I feel like it's a book I need to read again, like every year. Like I, I got a lot out of it, but I'm also like, I want to read it again because it's got so much going on in it. And I was playing Loop Hero for too much of it. So (laughs) I probably wasn't getting it. You know, my attention was divided in the way that Uh Jenny O'Dell would not recommend. So (laughs) I really learned nothing from this book. But actually, though, I did. I, I do recommend it. It's just it's a lot. And it's interesting. She is fascinating. So I. I checked this out from the library because you were talking about it, Maddie. And <laughs> yeah, I DM'd Kirk separately about it because I was reading it and I was like, I feel like this book is describing Kirk's lifestyle that <laughs> I don't have, but so, no, he does. I um, Oh, I sort of have. Um, I Yeah, I heard her on Ezra Klein a couple years ago and it was a really cool interview in part because, you know, it's a lot of stuff that I'm interested in too about attention and focus that I've really been working on. But also just, she seems like a fascinating artist. She, she has this whole theory and I'm going to, this is for memory, but it's this kind of idea that art is just about the attention that we pay to it and that she she made this thing. So she's from the Bay Area. She did this this uh, work called the Bureau of Suspended Objects, and it's just art that she took from the dump. And it's like objects from the dump presented in a way for us to pay attention to them. And the whole concept is that like here is a thing and it'll just be like, I don't know, something from the dump, like that someone owned and threw away. And yet by like putting it in this place that we're paying attention to it, like it creates this different, it makes it different. It changes it in some way. And like, she's so about perception. She's all about bird watching. So their conversation, I actually really recommend that podcast as well. This book so far has been really cool, but that conversation is about the book, but also just about attention. And she's so thoughtful and interesting about that kind of thing in a way that does seem important. And yeah, it goes way beyond just like Twitter is distracting and like you shouldn't use it. Like it's like much (laughs) more profound and deeper than that. Cool. Sounds good. Remind us the name of the book again, right? It's called How to Do Nothing, and it's by Jenny O'Dell. Cool. Uh, Kirk, finish us off. All right. Well, mine is a video game because this oh, is a video okay. game podcast, not a book podcast. <laughs> is it? I forgot. Actually, we should start a book podcast. <laughs> Some yeah. of that would be fun. I'd do a book club sometime. Um, so it's a video game demo for a little series called Resident Evil uh, that there's a new one of them coming out. It's called Resident Evil 8-age. it's a resident evil 8 resident evil village and i'm excited for it resident evil 8 ladge yeah (laughs) resident evil 8 age i guess yeah Um, because they're spelling out the v-i-i-i v-i-l-l okay so resident yeah resident evil 8 colon age age correct um so (laughs) 
There's a demo for this game out that you can play right now on PS5. I played it, and um, I'm excited for this game because I've kind of become a Resident Evil fan over the last few years, thanks to 7, which I really liked, and then the remake of 2, which I friggin' loved, and actually, and if I win my predictions this year, we'll all get to play and talk about next year. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I didn't. I was kind of medium on the 3 remake, and I'm mm-hmm. really excited for the new one. Um, and I, you know, it's not really like a very substantive piece of piece of video game you just you kind of escape from a dungeon you're in like a vampire dungeon there's some really cool environmental storytelling it looks is that the tall lady that people yeah, are is she in there? So, um maybe, maybe toward the end she uh the uh the large last shows up and uh maybe you know that everyone's very excited about yeah so it's this house with all these like lady vampires that run it somewhere it feels like in transylvania or probably some made-up place in the uh you know the the Resident Evil verse, and it's very it's very vampire-y. and uh, I just like this kind of demo, which is not from the game. I don't believe it is an actual segment of the game that I'm playing. I think they're planning on releasing another demo that will be, but it's more just you walk out of a dungeon, you explore. It shows off the engine, which the Resident Evil engine looks incredible. There's like I think there's some ray tracing going on here, like the reflections. You're in this really like burnished living space like entry hall with light and the way the light is like reflecting off the wood just looks nuts like the whole i was just like this looks so good it's very scary but you're never actually being hunted by anything really it's more just like you're walking around and it does the also the thing where you hear the resident evil sounds like you pick up an object and it's that like like sound and it just has the rhythms of resident evil which i think just helps get people in the mindset so it's an effective piece of like merchandising it also just makes me think about like a horror demo and how effective that is. How PT is still like the most effective trailer piece of promotional video game, like whatever you want to call it, software ever made and is still this thing that people talk about and is really legitimately scary and kind of a work of art on its own. This does not rise to that level, but it it is a kind of sign to me of how horror works so well in these little tiny single serving experiences where you're mostly just kind of freaked out the whole time because you're in a freaky space and you're not going to have to play Resident Evil because it's only like 30 minutes long. And if that, and then it kind of ends like you're not a character, you don't have to get through this to the next level. It's just, it is what it is. It's self-contained, but I actually really like that. Like it, I feel like you could actually collect all of these little demos for all of these kinds of games and like make a nice <laughs> little sampler platter. Yeah, like a, or just have a fun little thing where it's like you just get to play this for 15 minutes and that for 15 minutes and none of them overstays their welcome. None of What them... you're describing is WarioWare. <laughs> yeah, like the, the WarioWare of, of horror game demos, which is yeah. uh, it's I have a new appreciation for them, I guess, for mm-hmm. horror game demos. Did <laughs> you cool. play the Resident Evil 7 demo before you played the game? You know, I don't think that I did, though I know they did something similar. I think they It was had... really cool. That's like yeah. one of the ones that I oh, have wait. played. You're you're like the cameraman, right? Yes, I did play yes. it. Yes. And you're like the documentary crew that's going into the house that you then yep. go into in the game and it's like you're like, Oh fuck, I remember this. The guy went oh, down yeah. there and then he got the killed guy and like di- died. Yeah. Yes. It, yes, it was that's very right. fun. And it was kind of an echo of PT as well. I mean, I think it was yeah. only a couple years after PT when that demo was made. Oh, but there was a hallway. I, I remember it now. Yes, I definitely Yeah, there was a hallway. It. Way. Yes. You had to like keep doing the same actions over and over. I mm-hmm. mean, even at the time, everyone was like, well, I guess we're just aping PT. But you know what? PT was cool. And <laughs> right, it's okay exactly. to yes. just make another one yes. of those. And it's fine if something's 45 minutes and 
it's just the same thing over and over and it's spooky. Games yes, should do that. I'm with absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I wonder what the next demo will be like. And I like that Resident Evil has kind of picked up this baton that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's right. Of course, the seven demo was very similar. And yeah, that that was very cool that you saw in the actual game, you'd see the place where the guy got killed in the demo yeah. and be like, oh, fuck, like, this is about to get real at some point here. Yeah, it was like an actual prologue to the game, which I think yes. is also just a more fun way to do a demo anyway, where it's like it's not the literal game, but it's like a little right. bit more story for the people right. who care. It's like, why? I don't know. Which fuck. is kind of what the maiden demo is as well. Like, it's you're a different character and you you kind of get killed or I don't know I guess yeah you can go. <laughs> like I mean it's it's a demo it's this not is, a spoiler this is making me feel like we have to do we have to do a whole episode a hot topic on demos because demos are so mm. fascinating oh that would be really fun oh yeah we should um, definitely do that I, I just remember back in the day like you would buy new JRPGs mm-hmm. from Square because they would come with demos for like the new Final Fantasy game yeah. I remember getting mm. I think it was like Brave Fencer Musashi an old PS1 game it came with a demo for Final Fantasy 8 but the demo was like different characters than would actually be in that part of the game anyway right. it was like very much built to avoid yeah, yeah, spoilers yeah. that sort of thing there's a lot of demos have done a lot of interesting things over the years man i still have some of my old pc gamer demo mm. discs where you would buy the the magazine and it would come with a cd-rom that had demos for you know i remember full throttle was mm-hmm, on one i mm-hmm. think and there's a very famous doom demo that was out there for a while yeah there was this it was kind of like the next level up from shareware mm-hmm. when shareware was a thing and then demos i'm glad that there's still a thing yes yes yeah, yes me too. Um, do we have time for a quick a quick fun story in regards to titles of games? Okay, I'm just going to give Tell it to you because story. so first of all, this story is going to have spoilers for the original Bravely Default, the 3DS game that came out in 2014. I assume both of you don't care about being spoiled on that game. Yes, I yes. can't I believe you're play. spoiling it. Okay, so the Resident <laughs> Evil 8 discussion made me think of this. How it, it would be funny if I was thinking it would be funny if the game like played around with that title in some way as part of the game, and it was like Resident Evil 8 age and age was some important part of the game and so i was thinking about bravely default because on the 3ds this game is called bravely default flying fairy which is a ridiculous name um and it was so it was so funny big warning spoilers for the original bravely default so tune out now you can say goodbye the episode's almost over you can say goodbye if you haven't played this game and still want to the game that came out in 2014 not the new one the original bravely default tell the story so it's called (laughs) bravely default flying fairy and the whole time there's a character who accompanies you which is a fairy named airy um a-i-r-y and she is like um a constant companion giving you advice giving you help as you go um until about three quarters of the way through the game where the big twist is that actually she's evil and she was a bad guy all along suddenly the title of the game literally transforms into bravely default <laughs> lying airy and the f's disappear and it's like <laughs> lying airy it will be on your screen from then on like every time you turn on the game that's the title how mm-hmm. funny is that <laughs> that's super good it's actually that's, incredibly that's... well done what um, happens to the f's though like do the F's just they just exist. fade out. They, they disappear. Just fade away forever. They well, wow. the F's are Final Fantasy, so the two F's disappear oh, great point. and they yeah, become yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy. Right. Yeah. The F's are we're always kind of seen as a Final <laughs> Fantasy reference. That they're like, this is kind of a Final Fantasy. It is. No, it, it really yeah. is. Okay. On that note, it is time for us to say goodbye, Kirk, Maddie. So we will see members, Max Fun members, on Monday with this week's Beanstalk. Everybody else, we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. 
Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at maximumfun.org slash join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.